Well, praise the Lord. Uh, go ahead and have a seat if you would, please. Take your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter number 12, and it is a busy week uh, for us at Landmark Baptist Church in Grand Junction, Colorado. Uh, but we're, we're thankful for West Coast Baptist College, Lancaster Baptist Church, and uh, Pastor Paul Chapel, and Brother Getch, and, and the Brother Rasmus, and the other leadership that you have here uh, on campus. And uh, I consider uh, this place a, a wonderful place, a wonderful college, training young people uh, to go out into the ministry and uh, give your life for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we, we kind of joke about this place at our place because we call this place the black hole. Because every time we send a student here, they never come back. Uh, they're, they're, they get hired on staff here, and we're thankful for that, but we don't want that to happen to Vashti. We want Vashti to uh, either come back, or, or I know she's got a desire to go to the mission field. Uh, but one of the students, we were able to hire one of your students a few years ago, Molly Campbell, and uh, she's actually getting married uh, next Friday. She met one of our young men, and uh, they've been dating and, and uh, are getting met, married here this, this coming Friday, and so we're excited for them. It's a great place to be. You should be glad that God led you to West Coast Baptist College. And uh, be thankful for the teachers that you have, the opportunity that you have to connect and meet uh, like-minded young people. And I know you hear this a lot. Uh, you know, I'm getting older. And you guys are the future generation of independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist churches. And uh, I, we, we invest. I mean, you're, you're being invested in uh, to stay the course and to, to hold things right for future generations, to be able to have what, what we've enjoyed over the years. And so it's a high calling for you to be seated here this, this morning and uh, to be in this place to get the training that God has for you. And I appreciate Brother, Brother Chapel. He is a friend uh, to me. I don't understand why, but he's very gracious to me. I think it's the Colorado connection. Uh, we're about two and a half hours north of where uh, he's got some, some property and, and some ties there in Cortez, Colorado. We're about two and a half hours due north of him. And so we've met over the years and of course, we've had him preach for us, and uh, we always enjoy that time together. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. I want to bring you a, a thought here this morning on uh, just what it means to, uh, to live by faith. And not only to live by faith, but there's an element to living by faith. And I think you'll see it here as we uh, just go through, through, through some scripture here today, and I just want to be a blessing and encouragement but in, in uh, Genesis chapter 12, and let me just go ahead and stand, if you would, here for just a moment. And uh, we're just going to read five verses, and we'll kind of launch off from here and uh, kind of work through this this morning a little bit here. Genesis 12, verse number 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee. And make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed, as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. 
And let's just pray here real, real quick and we'll get right to the message. Heavenly Father, I pray that you just use this time this morning. And, and Lord, truly, um, I want to be said only what you want to be said this morning. I, ho I hope that I can be a help and encouragement. And, and in some ways, Lord, inspire some young people to learn to leave what is comfortable and to step out in faith and uh, to do great things for God. And, uh, Lord, that's what I would like to accomplish. But, Lord, I know that you have your will, and your will is more important than my will. And I pray that you would work in the hearts of each and every one of us. Use your word, Lord, to move us to the place that you desire us to be this morning. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we hear and we read here of the story of Abram, obviously Abraham, and the call of God on his life that he was to leave the Ur of the Chaldees and travel to an unknown place uh, at that time uh, called Canaan. And God was going to lead him in, in, in his travels. Now, I've made a lot of moves in my life. I've, I've lived in eight different states. I've lived in Germany. I've lived in Korea twice. Uh, with that of being in the military. And every time I moved or I, I uprooted my family for a move, I knew where I was going. I knew that along the way I could stop at a hotel. I knew that I would have access to restrooms for my wife and my children. I knew that we would be able to stop at a McDonald's or a Burger King or something along the way and, and get some food along the way. Even though it was a move and it was a little bit hectic for us in that move, there was also some comfort in knowing that in America, you know, there, you have just about everything that you need along the way in your, in your journey. Abram and Sarai, they didn't have that. In fact, if you know uh, Sarai, her name at this point means contentious, contentious. And I believe that maybe in one way she was contentious as God began to move upon Abram to move from uh, you know, Ur of the Chaldees, which is present-day Iraq, over to Canaan, I, I got a feeling that she was a little contentious about that move. I think she understood what that was going to entail and the, the change that was going to take place in their life in that they were going to go from all the creature comforts that they had enjoyed. They were going to leave their family. They were going to leave the, the hunting grounds that Abram had, the, maybe the fishing holes that he had frequented often, the friends, and you know they were all interconnected there family-wise. And they were going to leave all of that, and they were going to travel uh, to this land that really they had no idea where, where they were going. Eventually, her name is changed to Sarah, where she's a princess, and that's what her name means there. But a lot, of, a lot was going into that move. There's a lot more, and again, we read these words on the page, and uh, this is dealing with real people, making real decisions. And it's a faith-based decision that Abram has led to make, and ultimately, he makes that decision, and he goes on for the Lord. Sometimes in our Christian life, we're brought to a place where we know that God is definitely speaking to us. And we have the Holy Spirit telling us maybe to move, or in many cases, I would like to believe that God spoke to you young people, and you answered the call of God, and you're at a training place at West Coast Baptist College to train for the ministry. You answered that call, and you, you did somewhat similar to Abram and Sarai, his wife did, in that you left what was comfortable. You left your home, you left your neighborhoods, you left your friends, you left your church, 
your church family, and you traveled in some cases across the country, maybe even from other countries to Lancaster, California, to begin your training and to begin this process preparing you for what God has for you next. So in many ways, the same thing that was taking place in Abram and Sarah's life, you've responded to that same call of God in your life to move and to do something that God has called you to do. And I, I think that's commendable. We call it faith or living by faith, where God impresses upon us in a certain fashion. He speaks to our hearts that we can't escape or run from that call of God in our life. And so we answer the call and we begin to do something that is uncomfortable to us. It's not natural. It's not normal. Most young people your age are in some kind of maybe secular college or pursuing some kind of career that would uh, be able to provide for their families or uh, be able to build something uh, along the way. But you've been called of God here. And I commend you for answering that call and coming to this place for that training. This traveling that Abram was going to do wasn't going to be easy. He was going to have to cr cross over some, some uh, streams, some rivers, uh, up some mountains, cross the desert. He was going to have to forage and make his way all the way through that. And again, he would have to leave that which was comfortable to him. In our church, and I, I was uh, talking with Brother Alvarez, where we live in Grand Junction, Colorado, our community is a service type of a community. A, a lot of uh, uh, travelers come. It's a retirement type of an area. We don't have a lot of industry or big uh, you know, businesses that are hiring you know, thousands of people or anything like that. And in our church right now, we have four handymen, four handymen. And uh, they, they came to church, they started off in different jobs, what have you, and now they're out on their own as far as trying to build a business. I've noticed something about some of the guys that are doing it, and they're all great guys, but some of them just want to stay with just what they're comfortable with, just themselves, and just picking up odd and end jobs and providing for their families. But there's a couple of them right now that are starting to hire people. They're starting to expand. And they're starting to go bigger than what they thought they would ever do. And it requires a little bit, if you're going to decide, and I would imagine that each and every one of us here this morning say, I'm going to live by faith and I'm going to follow the Lord wherever he leads me. Trust me when I say this, that's going to lead you to a place of making some uncomfortable decisions. You're going to be uncomfortable in the decisions that you have to make if you're going to go all in for the Lord. So you made the decision, you've come to college, you're getting going, and then, you know, you got the finance issue that uh, might, might be wearing or bearing down on you, you know, meeting bills and different things like that. And of course, you know, we learned this, heard this a long time ago, you never undo and doubt what you started in faith. And so by faith, you did something uncomfortable, you came here. Now you got some pressures that are uh, uh, being placed on you. You know, you might hear some news from a far country back home about mom and dad, maybe one of the siblings or a friend or something like that. And it begins to weigh down on you a little bit where you think, man, am I doing, am I where I am supposed to be? And it creates a little bit of anxiety in some cases, a little bit of apprehension, a little bit of angst, you know, just not knowing what the future is going uh, to be. And I, I just want to say to you, that's part of the process of living by faith. 
If you're going to live by faith, there's going to be seasons that you go through that are going to test whether or not you're going to see it all the way to the end, and it's going to require a little bit of being uncomfortable. And I say it's okay to be a little bit uncomfortable. Years ago, when, when I was in the Army, I, I was a, a helicopter pilot, and I was stationed at uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And uh, one of the things that they desired for the, the Army helicopter pilots back in the day is we would go through what they called the, the SEER course. And the SEER course, uh, a lot of it was inspired by, if you might be familiar with the book or, or the movie, Black Hawk Down, okay? And uh, the, the pilots there had been through the, the SEER course, and they attribute some of the training that they got in the SEER course for their survival. The SEER course just simply means survival, evasion, resistance, escape. So I had gone to the, the SEER course, and I, uh, was the, when I went through the course, it was all Army officers. I was, a, I was a warrant officer, and I was the only pilot that was going through at this time. And the rest of them were all SF guys. And there's just something about these SF guys. They're all like six inches taller than me. They all weigh like 20, 30 pounds, bigger, you know, more muscular. And I was this skinny little dude running around in the woods with these guys. Didn't know anything. And uh, they take you through in this SEER course these different things that you would experience for the purpose of getting you to, to a point where you can overcome some of the fears that you have, some of those things that are unsettling to you, some of those things that make you uncomfortable. One of the things that they had, they had these uh, two silos, and they were about 15 to 20 feet in the air, and they were about that much of, you know, cement that you had to walk around on, and there was a plank between the two, and it had wrought iron that would, you know, pop up, and so, you know, you had to you'll walk your way around there uh, to get you to a place that you could overcome some fear of height. It made me uncomfortable. I didn't like it. And then you had to repel off that. I watched a lieutenant repel off of it. Uh, it was called a body repel with just a rope, and uh, there was no other gear with it. And he fell, and he broke his collarbone. And, of course, that got him out of the course, but that, that wasn't a good thing. They also would take you, and uh, they would place you. We called it our little cement tomb, which I liked because I went through it in January, and it was warm in there. I was like, just put me in an enclosed area and leave me alone, you know. Uh, I was okay with that. But they also did this. When we first got there, we had these... We, we were kind of doing some E&E &E, uh, evasion, escape type stuff through the woods. And they had us come to a certain place where we dropped down into these tunnels. And you'd go on these tunnels and it was pitch black and you were on your, your belly and you had a hand out in front of you and just hold, trying to touch that guy that was going on front of you. You were just crawling through these tunnels for 45 minutes trying to find your way out. And it was a bad day when we got to the end of it and said, we got to go back. And you would have to crawl back out of that tunnel. And it made you overcome some areas that we were uncomfortable with. Now, if we'll be honest here this morning, there's probably some things at college and you have some fear about what God's plan for you is in the future. And you want to live by faith and you want to step out by faith and you want to do something great for God. I would hope you have some dreams of what God has laid on your heart for something big for God. I hope you have that. But with that, there's, there's the apprehension of, oh no, what's that going to entail? I'll tell you what it's going to entail. It's going to entail sometimes in your Christian walk 
where you go through some times of being uncomfortable, where it's out of your comfort zone, and it just doesn't feel right, but you know you're on the right path, and you know what you're supposed to be doing, but yet there's that season where it just doesn't seem to be what it's supposed to be. We like to say, and, and I do believe this, our faith ought to be able to move mountains, but faith is faith, and sometimes it's, you, know, you don't know the end of it, or it wouldn't be called faith. And to take that step of faith sometimes is going to require you to be a little uncomfortable. I would imagine, as I experienced when I went through Bible college, I had an extreme fear. I'm fearful right now of standing up and preaching to people. It made me extreme. I'm still uncomfortable. I still get uncomfortable when I got to stand up. I'm over here shaking, drinking water because my mouth is all dry. But if we're going to live by faith and we're going to be used of God, we're going to have to go through those times of being uncomfortable so that we can fulfill God's will for our life. And so that means that maybe some of you here this morning, God's leading you and calling you to the mission field, but you say, I can't go because that exceeds what I'm comfortable with. Or I, God's calling me to pastor or be an assistant pastor or a youth director or to teach in a school or administrate a school, what have you. And you say, I just can't do it. I can't see myself getting there because it just brings me past who I am. And I'm saying to you, you're never going to do anything really, really big for God until you learn to live in that faith-based life where you're uncomfortable. You've got to get to the place where you embrace that. Now, I mean, it's not fun, but you have to embrace being uncomfortable. You know the story some 400 years ago, three ships sailed to try to find the, America, the Americas. On that journey, they, many of the the men that were on the ship with Columbus had determined that he had lost his mind. They were going to put him in irons and turn around and go back. They found or saw some seaweed on the ocean, and they said, well, where there's seaweed, there must be rocks, and where there's rocks, there may be land. And they kept going. Then they said, well, there's nobody that's going to be there. It's, it's not going to be inhabited. Now, can you imagine being Columbus here and hearing this bickering, this murmuring, this complaining. There, there, there's, there's, it's not going to be inhabited land. And they saw a piece of wood that had been cut by a sharp instrument, and they just continued to press on. August J. Kling said this about Columbus. Columbus' use of the Bible is one of the best documented facts of his remarkable career. He got in the Word of God, and he got his faith, and he was willing to leave that which was uncomfortable and listen to the naysayers along the way and just keep driving on. And if we want to do something big for God, and I believe we're in the day and age that America needs and, and the whole world needs, young people like you that will press forward and keep going when it's uncomfortable. When it's uncomfortable. When you have those naysayers and those saying, hey, you can't do it, but I believe this, you can. And God wants to use you in a great and mighty way. So I just, I got a couple points here. We'll look at some more scripture. And I just want to inspire you here a little bit to understand that sometimes we do things in faith. But I really think that when we want to do something big for God, 
you're going to have to go through a little bit of being uncomfortable in it. Because I believe that really is when you know that you're living a life of faith. Because if it's too easy and you're never extending your faith and you're never really having to trust God and to believe in God and hold on to God, then, then it's too simple. Abram and Sarai, when they left, it was not simple. It was much more difficult to travel back in those days than it is today. For me, it was nothing. I hop on an airplane, Grand Junction, fly to Phoenix. From Phoenix, I fly to Burbank. From Burbank, Brother Alvarez comes, picks me up, brings me to West Coast Bay. It's nothing. It wasn't like that for them. It was uncomfortable. And I just believe this, again, that God wants to use you to do something big, but it will require you to be uncomfortable and step out of what is easy for you. So number one, I have this. When God speaks to you, be willing to listen and obey. So we know that the Holy Spirit of God is, is ever-present with us, and we want to say and we should be living a life that truly we are being led of the Spirit of God into His will. Because ultimately, at the end of our life, the most important thing that we're able to do and to be able to say when we see the Lord, as the quartet sang about, is, you know what, we, we want to be able to say that we live what God's will was for our life. In order for that to take place, you've got to be in a position where you're willing to listen and to obey the voice of God, God's leading in your life. Take your Bibles and go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Verse number 16. Mark chapter 1, verse number 16. Now, as he walked, this is Jesus, walked by the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway, immediately, they forsook their nets and followed him. You think that was a little bit uncomfortable then for them to leave everything that they had known about providing for their families? The only, I mean, how they were making a living? Chances are probably their dads taught them how to be fishermen. To leave all of that immediately because they just listened and obeyed the voice of the Lord. Are you with me? And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further, uh, farther thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were uh, in the ship mending their nets, and straightway he called them. He called them. And they left their father Zebedee. They left dad. See you later, dad. In the ship with the hired servants and went after him. Again, you'll never accomplish anything for God until you're willing to leave that which is comfortable to you and listen to and obey the voice of God in your life. You'll never, you'll never get to the place where you can do something big. And it's not like I've, I've done a lot big for God, but I've done what God had for me and God's will for me. When we moved to Grand Junction, Colorado, 22 and a half years ago, when we moved there, our first service, we had 17 people. My wife and I and, and our three kids, we were five. We had 12 other people not associated with my, my family in the first service that we had. 
When I moved to Grand Junction, we didn't own a hymn book. I didn't do it probably the best way to do it. We didn't own a hymn book. This is how bad it was. I, this is how uh, I, I call, in the army, we had this little phrase, I, a new person came into the unit, we'd call him the nug. And the nug is the new ugly guy, amen? So I'm the new ugly guy in Grand Junction, starting Landmark Baptist Church, and I'm just, I'm gonna do something great for God. I showed up without any offering plates. No offering plates. We didn't have a hymn book. We didn't have a chair to sit on. That's 22 and a half years ago. This Sunday, we'll be in our new auditorium slash fellowship hall. We have over 51,000 square feet of properties. Our property is valued at over $6 million. We had nothing when we moved there. But that's what God had for me. And I left a very comfortable position as an assistant pastor. And the truth is, is I could have cruised. But God called, and I listened. And I'm just saying, you're going to face the same thing. God's going to speak to you, and he's going to say, hey, listen, I want you to step out in faith. I want you to believe in me. I got something big for you, but it's going to make you a little uncomfortable. We bought a house when we got there, and uh, I couldn't prove any income. I had no income. I didn't go around the states and build up and have people supporting me. I didn't know you were supposed to do that. I just moved there and we started. I bought a house from someone who was selling it. It's kind of like a lease option to buy. I had two years to come up with the financing. Two years I could come up with the finance. I had everything I put into that. I just really believe that that's where God wanted me to be. And it was uncomfortable because my back was against the wall. And I had nowhere else to turn but to him. And I wanted to be right with the Lord. And I said, Lord, I believe that you have called me to Grand Junction. I believe this is where you want me to be. And I, and, and I just said, I'm just going to obey it. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm just going to go forward. And it was uncomfortable. But I believe that's where we can really say that we're living a life of faith when we're in those positions of being uncomfortable. And we're saying we're living a life of faith. We listen to God. We obey God. And God puts us in a place where we can be successful. You know, the, many of you, you, I'm sure you're familiar with this, but the Bible records about Saul on his way to Damascus to round up the Christians and bring persecution, bring some back to Jerusalem. And he hears from heaven, Saul, Saul, why kickest thou against the pricks? The pricking of the Holy Spirit to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Paul is fighting against the leading of the Holy Spirit. You want to know why? Because Paul doesn't want to leave his family and all of his friends, the Sanhedrin, and, and what he has achieved in life because it would be uncomfortable for him to become a Christian and to live for the Lord and sell out for Jesus. And so he's fighting the speaking of God in his life. I would dare say there's probably some here this morning that you're doing the same thing just on a different level. I hope and pray that you're saved and you got that settled. But you're fighting against the leading of God in your life because you don't think you can because it's too big and it's going to require you to be too uncomfortable. And you're fighting that prompting of the Holy Spirit in your life. I'm just saying, listen and obey. Amen. Listen 
and obey. And do something big for God, and it's not going to be easy, that's for sure. Number two, be willing to leave your country. So they left their country, and I'll say it this way for us this morning. Be willing to leave your comfort zone. Be willing to leave your comfort zone. Go to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. Again, familiar. By the way, the Bible is filled with stories of men and women who God spoke to, the people listened and obeyed, and they went on and did great exploits for the Lord. The Bible is full of people. Well, guess what? We're just people. We're just people here this morning. And God is still working and God is still calling. He's looking for people to obey. But you have to be willing to step out of what's comfortable for you and move on. And I know it's hard because it's hard for me. But you have to be willing to do it if you want to do something big for God. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to just serve the Lord halfway. I want to be all in, amen? And so if I'm going to be all in, then guess what? Sometimes God's going to put me in a place where I have to leave that which is comfortable for me. Matthew chapter 14, verse number 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went on to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out of fear, or for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Now, I don't know about you, but that would be a bit uncomfortable. To leave the boat and to go walk on the water. I've jumped out of an airplane 21 times. Every time it was a night jump. You say, why was it a night jump? Because my eyes were closed. That's why it was a <laughs> night jump. I've done mass tack, hundreds of men jumping out of airplanes. When you're in the 82nd, it doesn't matter whether you fly helicopters or not, you have to jump out of an airplane. Let me tell you something about that. That's uncomfortable. To jump out of a perfectly good flying vessel and have a piece of canvas over your head until you crash bang into the ground. It's not like you see, you know, you know the, the way they jump now. I mean, it's army parachute. You're, they're designed to fall at a certain rate so you're not hanging around up in the air where people can shoot at you. Point being is it was uncomfortable. This is even more. They were, fear, they were fearful. And then Peter says, hey, Lord, I'd like to come to where you're at. Notice what the Lord says in verse 28. Verse number uh, 28 here. Ver, where am I at here? Verse 20. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Verse 29. And he said one word, come. What does Peter do? See you, fellas. I'm out of here. I'm going to where Jesus is at. Amen. He gets out of the boat and he starts walking on the water. And then, of course, you know, just like human nature is, amen, he starts looking at the circumstances all around him and he begins to sink. But 
he's close enough to Jesus that Jesus is able to grab hold of him and bring him safely back into the boat. I just think that, again, it's that whole idea of leaving that which is comfortable to do something extraordinary for God. Peter's the only one that I know of that's walked on water. And he was just willing to go where Jesus was by the, just come, that's it, come. He didn't say, I'll sustain thee. I mean, it would have been a sad day if Peter would have sunk and, you know, went down to the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. That would have been a bad day, especially for the Lord having to explain that to the Father for saying, hey, come on out here, you know, and then losing him. But Jesus knew. And Jesus knows what he has for you, too. And he says, do something uncomfortable. And I'm going to do something big with you. It's not going to be easy for you. You can stay in the boat and just be ho-hum. Or you can get out of the boat and put yourself in a situation that's going to require you to live by faith. And just trust me as you head towards him. Then number three. Number three. And this is so important that you hear, okay, because I pastor, you know, I've been pastoring for 22 and a half years, and we've hired Bible college students, and they're full of just a desire to do something great for God, as it should be. But it's very, very important as you live a life of faith that you don't forget one thing, and that's this, number three. When you leave your comfort zone and you step out in faith for God, be willing to do your part. Work. Work. You have to be willing to work inside of living by faith. Now, take your Bibles and let's go back to the story of Abram. Genesis chapter 13 now. Genesis chapter 13 and verse number 2. Let me say it to you this way. There's no free ride if you decide to live by faith. It, just because you decide to live by faith, and, and look at the verse here first here. In chapter 13, verse number 2, and Abram, he stepped out on faith. He left Ur of the Chaldees. He's on his way to Canaan. He's in Canaan. And uh, he has been promised of God some things in the future. But notice what the Bible says about him right now. Of course, he had been to Egypt and back now. Uh, Verse number two, and Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. Now, how did Abram become rich? Is it because God told him and he listened and obeyed and he left his uh, area of comfort that all of a sudden he, you know, followed the rainbow and at the end of the rainbow he found a pot of gold? Did, get, did he just travel along and say, wow, look at this big herd of cattle. It's all mine now. I think, I think I, wow, the Lord blessed me and everything is just falling into place for me and I don't have to do anything. I can just enjoy everything because it's all going to come to me. Let me tell you something. I believe Abraham worked. He worked. He, he, he was a herdsman. He bought and sold. With that, he acquired great wealth, but he was working the ministry if you will, that God gave to him because from 
his faith that was, you know, counted uh, to him for righteousness, he lived by faith, but he was working that faith, and God blessed him more and more in other areas. Sure, he was the father of many nations, and sure, all the nations of the earth would be blessed because through his lineage, we get the Lord Jesus Christ, but he worked also, and it's amazing, in living for faith, in being uncomfortable, if you'll do your part, you'll find that God just throws in extra benefits. He throws in extra things. When we move to Grand Junction, and, and again, you know, I, I, just, I just marvel at what God's done for me because I'm a nug. I'm nobody. We moved to Grand Junction. I bought a house for 110000 I put $10,000 in my life savings, and I said that I would have six months of reserve that I would live off and support my family until I could get the church up and going. That's crazy. I was uncomfortable. That's why I went soul winning 40 hours a week at a minimum because I had to have people in church because someone had to put something in the offering because I was the only one putting stuff in the offering, and that wasn't going to work very good for very long. Today, I, I live in a home right now on 12 acres. It's up for sale for $1.2 million. Who would have ever thought that? I'm just saying this. When God calls, be willing to listen and obey. Leave your comfort zone and then go to work. Go to work. Work the ministry that God is going to call you to. Live by faith. And God just has a way of just saying, hey, I can bless that. I can bless that. You look at the life of Abraham and you look at how many times you find the word bless or blessing. He's a man of faith. He listened, he obeyed, he went when it was uncomfortable. And God blessed him because he was willing to work the work that God... This is a training ground for you. You're, you should be training. You shouldn't be in the lap of luxury here. Yes, you should have the time as young people and interact and enjoy the moment. There's no doubt about it. But this is preparatory. Don't think that when you get to the ministry that your pastor or if you're starting a church that they're going to just kind of let you kind of cruise through. They're going to want you to work because they're working. And they know that the blessings come with that work, with that work. When I was uh, in the 82nd, and uh, of course, I had been there about two years. I had graduated from uh, flight school, and I was a UH-60 Blackhawk pilot. I went to the 82nd, and I was uh, flying in an air assault battalion. And I was coming up to the time that I had to, what they call track. You could either track IP, which is an instructor pilot, and I thought, oh, I just really don't want to do that. I really don't have that kind of patience that these guys have, so I'm, I'm not going to do the IP thing. And then I was thinking, well, I'll be a safety officer. And nobody liked the safety officers because they enforce the rules, you know. And so nobody liked the safety. I was like, I don't want to be a safety officer. So the last track was that to be a, what they call a maintenance test pilot. And I said, you know, that intrigues me there. And so I went to kind of like a recruiter. And I uh, went to him, and uh, they got me into the maintenance test pilot course. Uh, I went back to Fort Rucker, Alabama, and I went through the maintenance test pilot course. All it means is this. The aircraft breaks down. Before they're going to send what we called a line pilot to go fly it, some dummy's got to get in to make sure that it's airworthy. 
all right? And that dummy would be me, okay? And so you get in and make sure that everything is fixed the way it's supposed to be fixed and the aircraft is operating the way that it's supposed to operate. And for me, it meant a lot of flight time and I, I enjoyed flying. So I got back and I had been back probably a couple weeks and uh, one of our senior test pilots came to me and he said, hey Tom, uh, let's just go fly today, just me and you. We'll, we'll go out and we'll go do some flying. And I said, oh man, that, that sounds like a great, 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 great day. You know, absolutely, let's go. And so we went out, we started flying, and he asked me a question when we were flying. He said, have you ever taken the aircraft past its limits? And I said, of course not. You, you can't do that. You have a dash 10, we called it, was like the Bible for Blackhawks, and then chapter five was limits. In chapter five, you had to know all the limits of that aircraft. And he said, well, what if someone's shooting at you? Would you take the aircraft past its limits? And I said, reluctantly, yes. Probably, yeah, of course. And as soon as I said that, he turned the aircraft 90 degrees over. And I was looking straight down at the ground. I had never been there, and I grabbed hold of everything because it scared me because I was so uncomfortable. He snapped it back straight and pulled back on the cyclic and we shot straight up into the air. I'm like, what are you doing? You're exceeding all the limits that are written down in this book. He said, this aircraft can handle it, it can do more. And then he transferred the controls to me and he said this, now I want you to do it. I'll tell you what, there is no amusement park that can create the ride that you can get in a Blackhawk. I took the aircraft past its limits, but I wanna, I'm gonna be honest with you, the first time, it was a little uncomfortable for me. When we got bored on IFR right, uh, IFR flights instrument, you're flying like a, a highway in the sky, we would, if, if we, had, we had new guys in the back, we would, you know, flying 100, 110, 120 knots, we'd pull back on the cyclic, shoot straight up in the air, get, get, get to the top of it, slam the collective down, push the cyclic forward, and you just go over the top like this. And the guys in the back go like that. <laughs> but you learn that you can live with being a little uncomfortable. And you just have to trust. And in that case, you had to trust the equipment. But we've got someone else that we can trust. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. But you have to get the mindset. If you want to do something big for God, whether that's on the mission field, whether that's whatever God calls you to do, you're going to have to learn to just step out and be a little uncomfortable when God calls you to do something by faith and then just do it. You kind of get used to it a little bit. It doesn't make it any easier. You still get dry mouth when you come up to preach at the college. You know, you're still shaking a little bit. But God still wants to use you. God's got something great for you guys. Just be willing to get in the way and let him propel you forward and do something wonderful for the Lord. Because in the end, that's going to meet you at the judgment seat of Christ. And that's where your reward is at when we live by faith in his will. Listen, obey, leave your comfort zone, and get to work.